Thanks for tuning in. I'm Sarah Lee, and this is the Influence Watch Podcast. In this episode, our regular podcast host, CRC's Research Director Mike Watson, joins me, Sarah Lee, to discuss his latest report um, on redistricting. That's something that we posted recently on the Capital Research Center uh, website. And it's a four-part series that lives uh, there on the website, and it's entitled The State of Redistricting 2022. And of course, as I mentioned, it's four parts. So each part has a different sort of theme attached to it. And I'm going to let Mike explain what those things are. So thanks for agreeing to let me interview you, Mike. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you, Sarah. Cool, cool. Okay, so let's just jump right in. This is a four-part series. You've you've written on redistricting in the past for Capital Research Center, and um, I didn't sort of prep you on this part of it, but if you could give a brief overview of what you've written about before. I think you um, originally did something yeah. on the proportionality analysis, right? Right, and, right. and we updated it um, for the latest report, but that's Basically, it was a test of a hypothesis, and that's the sort of the liberal hypothesis of the U.S. House of Representatives, which is that the only reason the Republicans have any representation in the U.S. House is because of gerrymandering, because the Republicans are drawing districts uh, in an unfair manner so that more Republicans win. Okay. Yes, and that's and, that's basically what they'll tell the news media to kind of put out there too. That, yeah, you know, I mean they'll tell they'll tell anyone whenever you know Republicans say anything about how well they've done in the House. Uh, oh well, it's only gerrymandering. You know, if this if this was real, ele- you know, if these were real elections like they have in Europe, uh, the Republicans would lose. Okay, and so get- so I, and so what 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 I did was, you know, the the way the Constitution works, that the states, the representatives are representatives of the states, and what if instead of having the districts that we have, which is kind of like how England uh, and Canada do their elect their parliaments. What if we used a proportional representation system like they do in the European Union Parliament? And we allocated using a mathematical formula based on how many votes you get for a party. And long story short, in both 2018 and 2020, uh, not much would change. Mm-hmm. There, the, the, you know, who would go to Congress would be different. You'd have you know, more Republicans from Massachusetts and fewer Republicans from Texas. But the Republicans and their allies would have the same number of seats and the Democrats and their allies would have the same number of seats as they do in real life in both 2018 and 2020. Okay. So basically what that means is that what you found is this argument that they make that, well, we would be much more highly represented without gerrymandering just turned out not to be true. No, it's and 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 the reason the, or at least the most plausible hypothesis is that gerrymandering cancels at least in the national scheme cancels itself out. Mm-hmm. So you have you know the Republicans draw what is generally recognized as a gerrymander in Ohio, but the Democrats draw what is generally recognized as a gerrymander in Illinois, mm-hmm. and when you average that out over the nation, the imbalances again in twenty eighteen and twenty twenty perfectly cancel each other out. Got it. 
Okay, so just let's start with some of the history of gerrymandering. Now that you've kind of explained what the proportional analysis, which was your hypothesis, you've written about it before, this uh, four-part series is sort of updating that, but also doing some other things. So let's start with, most people have heard the term gerrymandering, but I don't think most people know where it comes from, and I actually didn't know, and I think it's an interesting story. So can you give us a little bit of a history of what gerrymandering is, how it came about? Um, yeah. And and also, you, you make a lot of this, um, you make an argument, which, which I thought was really interesting, that gerrymandering is by definition or by practice um, always has been political. So this idea that you can depoliticize it is a myth. So give us an overview of the history and why it's necessarily political. Yeah. So for the history, we have to start at the beginning of the Republic. Uh, the you know, state. You know, the the legislatures of the new states and the, the districts to the new Congress uh, have always, you know, it were subdivided parts of the state. And what some clever people figured out was that if you drew, if you, the state legislature, because of the way the Constitution works, that you know, certainly back then, that the state legislatures drew all, you know, decided which. Uh, land got in which district, that if you put more of your voters in certain districts and you put more areas that supported your opponents in other districts, that you might be able to benefit from it. And uh, in the Massachusetts State Senate way, way back, uh, the, the Democratic-Republicans, the Jeffersonians, figured out that if they drew this district that a political cartoonist said looked like a salamander... Mm-hmm they could get more seats. And actually, this ended up working for them. Um, and the governor at the time was a guy by the name of Elbridge Gerry. Mm-hmm. Uh, G-E-R-R-Y, from which we get gerrymandering, because uh, he was the governor and he signed off on it. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a, it's so it's a, it's the two words together, salamander, yeah, Jerry. Yeah, it, right. Okay. right. It, it's the, the mander <laughs> is from the salamander that the district looked like, the Jerry is from Gary's name. Yeah, I just love etymology, so forgive my nerdy question there. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> uh, and anyway, so you know, fast forward, fast forward decades, and this has been going on forever. Um, you know, I, I like to joke that the only law of redistricting is Barone's law, and what Barone's law is is that all process arguments are insincere, including this one. Mm-hmm. So my favorite story there is that in 2010, that, that around the 2010 elections. Democrats had controlled the the new North Carolina state legislature basically since the Civil War. And uh, they had written the law such that the governor, because there have been a couple of Republican governors of North Carolina, uh, that the governor could not veto a redistricting. That way the Democrats thought we're going to be able to get our districts for Congress and for the state legislature through forever. And then in 2010, so the, the Republicans obviously complained about this, right? So the yeah, uh, the Republican uh, House leader, a guy by the name of Tom Tillis, uh, might have heard of him. He mm-hmm. he does something in Washington now. Um, <laughs> put forward a proposal that there should be an independent redistricting commission, uh, and uh, the Democrats said no, and there wasn't an independent redistricting commission. And then the Democrats lost control of the North Carolina General Assembly in the 2010 elections, and that Tom Tillis guy, now the Speaker of the House. 
Uh, care to guess what he did with his proposal for an independent redistricting commission? <laughs> I'm assuming he decided it wasn't worth the time. He, or he it decided was... it was. He had other legislative priorities. Yes, exactly. and and of course the 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 news media, which had, um, you know, which had supported the the Democrat the the Democrats when when it was clear that the Republicans had won control, they were very adamant that the Republicans should make this the first thing on their agenda, mm-hmm. adopting this independent redistricting commission. Uh, again, spoiler alert, they didn't. Um, so, and again, we, you know, we see it just a couple weeks ago in Illinois, right? So the Democrats have spent since 2010 when they lost a bunch of state legislatures complaining about, re- about redistricting, complaining about gerrymandering. And in Illinois, where the Democrats control everything, they put out their proposed state legislative maps. I guess they're now the, the they've now been approved by the governor who said he was only going to, uh, sign a, a, fi- a so-called fair map. Uh, spoiler alert, he didn't. Um, uh, and if you look at how they drew the districts around Chicago, uh, you know, the idea being, the idea is called a bacon mander because it looks like you turn your city into strips of bacon mm-hmm. uh, so that you can get as many of the Democratic di- uh, precincts, Democratic areas in the, in the city, uh, in with the swing district, with the swing precincts outside the city uh, so that you get as many Democratic districts as you can, uh, and that's basically what they did um, for the for the state legislature. Um, so, are you, you know, just basically making the point then that gerrymandering is always intended to boost the numbers for one side or the other? That's the whole yeah, point of yeah, it. That, okay. Yeah, that's that's sort of the de- that's the the sort of the layman's definition is drawing districts in a way that benefits the incumbent party. Okay, so uh-huh. let's talk about these independent commissions then. I know that they're favored mm-hmm. by sort of the left, by activists and media that's left-leaning and certainly uh, po- uh, politicians who lean that direction. Um, and they, they've included well, it, it. Well, again, well, it has been since 2010. Tw- since 2010. I'm sorry. You know, Thank in, you. <laughs> in, 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 the state, in the state in which I live, Maryland, which is the, the Democrats have a supermajority control of the legislature and can draw basically whatever districts they want. Uh, it's the Republican governor who supports an independent redistricting commission. Right. And, so, you know, Maryland is an interesting state, too, because of that one district that's been gerrymandered um, that just covers like the Western. Yeah, the the I, th- I think it's the sixth that it, it used to be basically the Western Maryland district. Now it takes in a bunch of w- very liberal Montgomery County. Yeah. <laughs> so and that it can so that it elects a Democrat. Yeah. And it kind of go doesn't it go into the city of Baltimore and it very uh, like no, a, that's my that's my district. Okay. That's the that's the third, which uh like swings cuts through like bacon strips of Anne Arundel County, right. goes into like the goes into parts of Baltimore. Baltimore is in like four different districts. It's it the 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 current Maryland congressional map uh, is always entered into evidence and is conclusive evidence that given the opportunity, the Democrats will gerrymander. Right. Okay. So let's talk about independent commissions. Um, since 2010, they've they've been favored more on the left, as, as you've given us our history lesson. We know that now. Um, and they've included it in the For the People Act, which has a lot in it that uh, that is objectionable. Um, but this is also in it. Um, so what are independent commissions, what are they trying to do since we've decided and, and you've, you know, convinced me and are hopefully convincing listeners that um, gerrymandering is by necessity, by practice, political. The argument, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that these independent commissions will make it not political. Right. The idea, the idea is to de- depoliticize, make it 
more scientific, more objective, more less partisan, you know, it, less partisan or less mm-hmm. explicitly partisan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is always with all these sort of technocratic schemes, the devil's in the details. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if the probably the best sort of depoliticizing effort for district drawing is the system that's used by Iowa, which has a couple of pages worth of rules that the legislative auditor's office or whatever the, the you know, it's an agency of the state government that draws the proposed map that are then referred to the legislature have to follow. And they're, they're pretty objective. You can't break counties. You can't break, you know, if you have to break a county, you can't break a city. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to nest your state house districts and your state senate districts, which are nested in your con- congressional districts. Um, you know, it's, it's all, it's, it's very, it's very technical and there's very little areas, opportunity to, for gamesmanship. Mm-hmm. And then there's California, which. <laughs> there's adopted, always California. Yeah, there's always California in there. Um. <laughs> Uh, which adopted a redistricting commission with the support of then Republican Governor uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. back in, I believe, it, before the 2010 cycle. I think, like, there there were two referenda: one for state legislature, one for uh, Congress, in different years. Uh, and once it became clear to the Democrats that the the redistricting commission was going to pass and was going to be established, and they weren't going to be able to do gerrymandering, or at least weren't going to be able to do sort of classical legislative gerrymandering. Uh, they created a bunch of front groups to l- basically lobby the redistricting commission. And this has been reported on by by ProPublica. ProPublica, uh, which is a left-wing uh, media outlet, is funded by the Sandler Foundation, which is, you know, a big liberal foundation. Um, you know, they put out a report in 2011 about basically how allies of the congressional Democrats from California manipulated the redistricting process and how they did it was they used the fact that the redistricting commission did not have those many many pages of rules that they couldn't break to bend them mm-hmm. so and the and the classic the, the phrase is communities of interest that you can well you preserve communities of interest but that means you can break up cities you can break up counties you can break up neighborhoods you can favor this community of interest over that community of interest and again, the more games you can play, the more advantage you get to communities that are organized. And I use that phraseology for a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that, you know, the, again, it, as Capital Research Center has well established, the, the liberal side has a roughly four to one advantage in quote unquote nonprofit advocacy spending. And one of the places you can deploy that is in making your, you know, communities of interest that are going to vote favorably for you look more important to a redistricting commission. Okay. So, in other words, the intent, the, uh, the, the intent to depoliticize them is just an intent in name only, right? If it, you can- it, it punts the... It, whether or not that's the intent of the sincere advocates, the way it actually works is it punts the politics one step up. Right. And one step away from the people's elected representatives. And and uh, 
you know, again, the, the of course, again, the counter complaint is, well, but they're all gerrymandered, so there's nothing they can do. Well, but they all also answer to statewide elected officials or statewide mm-hmm. office holders. So Pennsylvania, 2010, Republicans had, you know, in the 2010 cycle, Republicans had unitary control. Uh, they drew a pretty aggressive gerrymander by all accounts. Uh, but then the Republican governor lost in 2014, uh, and the Republicans lost control of the state Supreme Court. And so then it went through, you know, and the state Supreme Court in Pennsylvania is a directly elected. And then it went, you know, went through litigation and surprise, surprise, the Democratic state Supreme Court ruled that the Republican gerrymander was not okay. Um, you know, the statewide officials overrode the lower level officials in accordance, you know, in accordance with, you know, we can argue about whether it's the Pennsylvania constitution or the Pennsylvania political system, but how, whichever of the two it is, you know, there, there was a remedy, um, with these redistricting commissions, they're, you know, they're answerable to nobody. Right. Because they're quote independent. So if if the For the People Act doesn't pass, where this is, I guess, a federalized version of a redistricting, independent redistricting commission, right? Yeah, it, the, the For the People Act would require every state to use an independent redistricting commission. Uh, whether that is constitutional is disputed. Okay, so if that doesn't pass, though, there are some there. W- there could be some states actually just doing this on their own, right? Which right? There, are well, those? there are there are a number of states that uh, I believe. Hold on, let me pull it up. I believe it's 10, mm-hmm. uh, but I will double check. Uh, 11 states mm-hmm. you, uh, are going to be drawing their districts using a commission. And some of them did commissions before. Uh, Arizona, California, Hawaii, Idaho, Washington State, they all, uh, uh, New Jersey, they all have used commissions before. Uh, and then other sta- the other states, um, uh, Colorado, uh, Michigan, Montana, New York, and Virginia, they all did not for whatever reason last time. And you mentioned in your uh, four-part series that, you know, the states that have used these commissions before, like Arizona in particular, there were some really interesting Ari- decisions Arizona's, that came out Arizona's that. commission system is structurally broken in a fundamental way that guarantees it will be political. Mm-hmm. Uh, or all but guarantees it will be political. I encourage, uh, and I'll include this, a link to this article in the show notes. Uh, um, Eric Cunningham of Elections Daily, uh, a, a uh, one of these online election analysis, analysis guys, uh, you know, goes through it. Basically, the way that Arizona structured its commission, there are five members, two of each party, and then an independent chair. What that means is that the independent, and it rules by simple majority. So that means that the independent chair can align with either block and run over the other. Mm -hmm. And in the last cycle, it was a a liberal chair who went with the Democrats. And as a result, twice in 2012 and 2020, Democrats got more seats out of Arizona, even though they got fewer votes and there were no uncontested races. Uh, which, again, if the idea is to draw a quote-unquote fair map, that doesn't seem like it should be possible. Right, right. 
Okay. Well, let's wrap up with a final question then about gerrymandering. Um, you know, the the, oh, the the main title of your piece is The State of Redistricting 2022. So what can we expect in the run-up um, regarding some of the arguments that are going to be made about gerrymandering? Who are the players? We know about Eric Holder. He's been talking about this yeah. since they left yeah, the White Yeah, there's Eric Holder's na- uh, National Democratic Redistricting Commi- Committee, mm-hmm. National Redistricting Foundation, uh, they're sort of pushing the Democratic line for the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a Republican uh, groups that are smaller and less prominent, National Republican Redistricting Trust, uh, Fairlines, and uh, and then the Republican State Leadership Committee, which is the um, state legislative electoral arm. Um, but you also have groups like the League of Women Voters and Common Cause that purport to be nonpartisan, uh, but they're gonna al- but they align far more with the uh, with the Democratic side, especially on these independent redistricting commissions, especially in states where Republicans would otherwise have influence in the redistricting process. Um, okay, so what just to let people who are listening know before we sign off, what should they when they hear something on the news uh, about gerrymandering? What are some arguments that you would encourage them to be skeptical of if they hear it either side making anything anything any partisan whether it's a republican or a democrat who says that only my opponent does it you know if it's democrats saying that you know only republicans gerrymander or republicans saying that only democrats gerrymander none that is utter nonsense (laughs) disproven by 200 some odd years of american political history Disproven by the state next door to you, probably. Right. <laughs> um, you know, the the only law of redistricting is that whoever is doing it, whether it's through an independent redistricting commission system, whether it's through a legislative redistricting, whoever can get control of it is going to do it in a way that advantages them. Okay. Uh, that that's just kind of how it goes <laughs> right on okay well thank you mike for letting me talk to you about this um you know as i mentioned at the top of the show mike and i are both at crc so this is sort of an internal interview this is a really good um four part series and i really wanted to highlight it um and it's hard for mike to interview himself so we thought we'd do it this way so that's our show for this week we encourage you to subscribe on youtube apple Podcasts, or spotify and if you have already subscribed thank you very much and please leave us a five-star rating. We will see you again next week.